It's time to lead the people. The show for aspiring leaders at every level. If you want to boost your self-confidence, get noticed, and maximize your impact by leading others, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Matt Pepsel. Ready to lead? Follow me. Well, hey there. I am so glad you're here. Welcome to a very special episode of the Lead the People podcast. What makes this episode special is that it's the first. Number one, numero uno, the big cheese. So on today's show, we're going to be talking all about origin stories. I love origin stories. I love learning about superheroes and what their lives were like, you know, before the tights. I feel like their stories help me get to know them just a wee bit better. Those stories help me understand where these heroes are coming from and where they're headed. Now we're going to start with my story. I'm no hero, but I am the host. So I thought it'd be helpful for me to share my story. You can see how my personal experiences have shaped my perspective as a leader. But don't worry, if you're not down with listening to my story, I'm going to tell you how you can skip ahead. Next, we're going to move on to the origin story for the show. Now, the show isn't the hero either, but hey, we're here, so we might as well talk about how the show became a thing and where it's headed. We're going to end by chatting about the real hero on this journey, you. But me first. Fair warning before I get started, I go into some detail here about my background. If you want to skip to the end, fast forward to the 14 minute, 8 second mark. Ready? Let's start in the beginning. I grew up in Missouri, which is why you might detect a slight accent from time to time. For example, the way I say Missouri. From a leadership perspective, my childhood, pretty uneventful. I was a class clown rather than a class president. The most memorable thing I can think of about my childhood was probably that the time I was in fifth grade and beyond, I knew I wanted to be a U.S. Marine. I had something to prove to myself and to the world. So I asked myself, what's the toughest branch of the armed services? And that answer for me was the U.S. Marine Corps. I asked next, what's the toughest job in the Marines? That was Force Recon. Force Recon is the Marine version of Special Forces. So I would sit there and draw gold parachute wings in my notebooks when I really should have been taking actual notes. But when it came time to apply for colleges, my application package, so-so. On the plus side, I was bright. I had really good test scores on the ACT in my example. But my high school grades were lackluster, to say the least. I was a varsity wrestler. That was good. But I didn't participate in a lot of clubs or any sort of uh, community activities. I spent most of my time working at Target in the toy department, actually. And I spent a lot of time hanging out with my friends. Even so, I decided I wanted to apply to the U.S. Naval Academy with a Marine Corps option. Now, that year, the state of Missouri only had one slot available. And they gave it to another candidate. That person presented a better package than I did. So this became my first real leadership lesson. You can't unwind a clock. I had missed my window of opportunity. My grades were lackluster because I didn't put in the effort. But fortunately, as a consolation prize, they gave me a full ride to any school that had an ROTC program. Unfortunately, the application deadline for those other schools had passed. In the end, I wound up at the University of Missouri, 10 minutes from my house. I loved the pseudo-military-style activities of ROTC, but I really didn't enjoy going to class. What I really loved was playing Nintendo and hiding from reality. That's how I turned a 0.7 GPA during the second semester of my freshman year. The university, they kindly sent me a letter that basically said, don't hurry back, son. Now, for the first time in my life, I was lost. I was working at a lumber supply company for minimum wage. I was sleeping on my parents' couch until noon. My folks, they were so distraught over what they saw as my wasted potential. One day, I'll never forget it, my mom, she came home from her lunch break. She asked me a very simple question. What are you doing with your life? My reply was honest. 
I have no idea. That second leadership lesson hit me really hard. Never lose yourself in the process. What I needed was a reboot. I went back to my foundation, my why. I found that the call to serve my country was still a part of me, so I enlisted in the Marine Corps. I've always had a love of languages, so I gave a six-year commitment to become a cryptographic linguist. Fancy word. The day I graduated from boot camp in San Diego, man, that was the proudest day of my life. I was so happy to see my mom and my dad and my sister. It was fabulous. Now the Marines, they rebuilt me from the ground up, and I can never thank them enough for that. They sent me to study Arabic at the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California. After that, I was off to Goodfellow Air Force Base in San Angelo, Texas for cryptography training, code breaking, basically. My first fleet assignment was in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and when I got there, I asked my favorite question, who's the toughest in my field? The answer came back, radio recon. So I joined up. I went to airborne school, did inflatable boat work. I learned these advanced insertion and extraction techniques. Even went to a POW simulation camp up in Maine. I joined a six-man radio recon team. We had a focus on anti-terrorism. We traveled by foot. We slept under the stars, and I loved every minute of it. My first deployment was to Mogadishu, Somalia. Now, it takes 10 days for U.S. warships to cross the Atlantic, so I had plenty of time on my hands. I went to the ship's library, and I didn't know it at the time, but I found two books that changed the course of my life forever. The first was a general psychology textbook. I'm talking Psych 101. Neuroscience, sensation and perception, developmental psych, social psych, all of it. I was fascinated by how much we know about the human mindset and behavior. The second was a business book. It's called In Search of Excellence by Tom Peters and Robert Waterman, both from McKinsey. That book inspired me to study successful companies and individuals over the next 25 years. After Somalia was done, I had two more deployments. I served in a force in readiness off the coast of Haiti and Bosnia. I spent a year training other radio recon marines before I separated. Now, military service rekindled my appreciation for schoolwork. And it turns out, sleeping in the mud, it'll do that to you. Halfway through my enlistment, I realized I was going to be a 26-year-old freshman when I got out. That was not going to work for me. So while my friends hit the bars at night, I hit the books. I found this degree program where I could use standardized test scores to earn college credits. So I studied my butt off for this psychology GRE, and I scored in the top 5% in the nation. Miraculously, that score, that, that process, let me earn a degree in psychology without ever going to a single class. At the same time, I took the GMAT, which is a prerequisite for business school, and I scored in the top 4% on that bad boy. That was great. So that test score, along with my accredited degree through the mail from taking the GRE, that was good enough for me to get acceptance into Boston University's Graduate School of Management, where I got my MBA and a second master's in information systems. So after grad school was done, I got my first real civilian job. I was a project manager at this software startup outside of Boston. Now, I knew nothing about civilian life, but I knew that I wanted to perform at a really high level. In the Marine Corps, leadership development was a major focus area for us. I just figured that's how adults learn and grow. This is just how it works, right? Man, I was sorely mistaken. Anybody who's been in the corporate world knows it's not like that. So now I'm sitting here asking myself the question, what am I supposed to do? Even as an individual contributor, I saw myself as a leader. But I was on my own. I didn't have anybody to guide me. And this was leadership lesson number three. If there's no roadmap, make one. I had this really long commute. I'm talking like two hours in each direction. That's how I ended up with 100 plus audiobooks in the trunk of my car. 
I consumed anything I could get my hands on to study my craft of business and technology and leadership. Soon at work, I was promoted to become a manager. And when I did, I just went by gut. I did what everybody does, just tried to make my way. I felt this pressure to deliver results, but I was really more focused on the technical aspects of the role around strategy and systems and execution. That worked reasonably well, right up until it didn't. One day, I had to fire somebody who I myself had decided to hire. She was a poor fit in the role, but I really didn't understand people part of being a leader. We sat in my office and then she cried and then I cried. It was, it was absolutely awful. And it was totally my fault. As I drove home that night, I'll never forget it. I'm driving and I shut off the audiobook and I just sat there in silence. And I vowed that night that I would stop managing the business and I would start leading the people. I became a human being at work that day. And I'm glad that I did. Before long, I experienced this string of successes. I went from being an individual contributor to a manager to a director and then to a VP. I managed a team of employees all over the world. I was regarded as a strong and capable people leader, and people enjoyed working for me and with me. I learned how to develop those people who are around me at the same time I was putting up results. So I loved my job, but what I found was I didn't really have any passion for the industry. We were working on a high-tech product. I wanted to make this bigger impact. So I felt this longing to do and be something more. One day I had to fly out to Chicago. We were going to meet up with one of my sales executives who was out in the field. And so I'm standing there in this airport bookstore and I see this personal development book called Masters of Success. I knew I had to have it. So I'm sitting there on the runway waiting to take off. I've got the book in my lap. I'm just so excited to read it. And it was like I was hit by a rifle shot. It was like, what if personal development and helping others could be my job? I was blown away by that. And I thought, I have got to make this possible. So I decided to make a fresh start. I enrolled in a PhD program in psychology at Capella University, where I studied leadership and coaching all at the highest levels. I combined my love of technology with my passion for personal development. And I conducted my dissertation work, all studying the effectiveness of technology-assisted coaching, basically how to help people achieve their goals and have better levels of life satisfaction by using an assisted coaching program. So after I graduated, I launched a startup, software startup, based on that doctoral work of mine. But I wasn't able to fund it properly, and unfortunately, I had to shut it down. And that failure left a real mark on my confidence and on my wallet. So I was faced with leadership lesson number four. It's not enough to work hard and be passionate. You've also got to be smart about it. Now, fortunately, after that setback, I landed my dream job at the Predictive Index, where I work now. PI provides a talent optimization platform that helps thousands of companies around the world design winning teams and hire top talent, inspire employees to greatness, and diagnose issues that affect employee performance and experience. It is really a great company full of really great people and has amazing clients and partners. And PI's mission is all about better work, better world. How do we make the world's workforces better so that those effects trickle down? And it's really great. So if you run a business or you run a critical team, you really should check them out. They're at predictiveindex.com. Now, up until this point, I've been talking a lot about my work and my education experiences, but I did manage to have an actual life outside of work too. It all started when I married the love of my life while we were still in the service. Now, my bride, she's also a Marine, but she's the tough kind still to this day. People call her the general. We've got three college-age kids. we got a dog and a cat and a horse, so it's a full house. But I also managed to achieve some other big goals along the way. 
I remember the first time I learned about the Ironman triathlon, a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and a full marathon after that. And I thought, man, I don't know if I can do that. That was my first thought. But my second thought was, who said that? Who thinks I can't do that? Right? I'm talking to my brain here. And so I took an inventory. I said, well, you can't swim the length of a pool. You don't own a bike and you're a painfully slow runner. I said, yep, Ironman's for me. So it took me four years of training. I had to learn all the basics. But I finally signed up for this race in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And that day I finished just under 16 hours nonstop. Man, that was a long day, but it was so worth it. And in my world, I've got a saying, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And Ironman, that sure was worth doing for me. So that's leadership lesson number five for me. If you want it badly enough, you can do it. I proved that to myself, and this was a big obstacle for me. But, you know, I, I found a way to make it through and, and prove something to myself in the process. Now, after Ironman, I traded in my swim goggles and my bike for an ice axe. I decided I wanted to try my hand as an amateur alpinist. So classic Matty P fashion, that's my, my name for myself. People call me Matty P. I said, what is the highest summit here in the northeast of the United States where I live? Google came back with Mount Washington, New Hampshire. So now with the help of a mountain guide, my bride and I reached the summit of Mount Washington in April of 2019. And I was hooked on that sport. Still do it to this day and still looking to climb higher and learn more about the skills and the techniques it takes to get there. At the same time, despite any achievements I've had in my work and my life, I recently found that I'm still searching for something, right? I felt like I wasn't far off this super highway to success. I kind of feel like there's this, this path, but I just knew I wasn't quite on it. It's more like I was on the service road, like right next to it. I could see the path that was nearby, but it was always just over there. And I felt that way for a long time, unfortunately. So recently I went back to basics yet again, and I asked myself, where am I on my journey? I'd gone from being a crappy manager to a respected leader. That was pretty cool. I learned a lot along the way about what works and what doesn't work. And I thought back to my mission. I want to inspire, develop, and serve other leaders. My question was, how can I do that better? And the answer, in part, is what brought us together, right here, right now. Lead the People is my weekly leadership podcast. I want the episodes to feel like you're dropping in on a conversation I'm having with my guests. One focus for the show is on my three leadership pillars, self-mastery, inspiring others, and delivering results. We're also going to explore other themes, trends, and topics that affect us as leaders. After thinking about what I like as a podcast and after talking to other people, I hit on a few key characteristics I want for the show. First, it needs to be brief. Each episode needs to be 25 minutes or less. Now, I walk my dog twice a day, and I want to be able to finish an episode within those two 15-minute sessions. Next, I want to keep it casual. Leadership happens in real life. You're hearing right now, I've never done this before. I'm going to get better at it. It is just casual, and we're just going to go. Sometimes you're going to hear flubs. My guests and I are going to talk over each other from time to time. It happens. That's real life. Next, I want to give you practical tips. You've told me that you value application over theory. Now, I may love to read academic books and articles, but you don't. Next, I want it to be relevant to your day-to-day. -day. We're going to roll up our sleeves and get to work. We don't have any outdated or extraneous information here. We're just focused on the good stuff. I hit on my ideal formula, 70% education, 20% inspiration, and 10% comedification. Comedification? That's not even a word. Comedification. That's right. Education, because we have a lot to learn about leadership. There's just a lot to our discipline and our craft. We've just got to dig into it. 
inspiration because I love, love, love putting positive, constructive, and energizing stuff into my brain, and I know you do too. Comedification, that's a silly word that I created. It really gives me permission to be mildly entertaining, and I think you'll know emphasis on mildly. But just because we're talking about business, it doesn't mean we have to be boring. We want to bring ourselves to work, and for me, that means you know uh, feeble attempts at humor from time to time. Now, I'm also going to end each episode with my top three takeaways. I'm going to summarize the key points so you can focus on listening and just enjoy the show in the moment. And finally, I want it to be interactive. I want to hear from you. Where are you on your leadership journey? What do you need? What can I give you? Where are you getting stuck? And for me personally, what can I do more of, less of, or differently? Your feedback is always welcome. So now we've come to the last story, and it's my personal favorite. I'm talking about your story as a leader. In my experience, there are a few situations when you may be particularly interested in learning more about leadership and how to apply those lessons to your day-to-day efforts and outcomes. I know this because I've been faced with each of these situations at one point or another in my life. For example, you may be an aspiring individual contributor. You're a high performer. You want to get yourself ready for leading at the next level. But you lack clarity about how to do that. And you might be struggling to get noticed by other senior leaders in your organization. You want to feel confident. You want to be seen as a capable leader by others. Or maybe you're a first-time manager. You've recently been promoted or you're about to be promoted to manage people for the first time. You're feeling the pressure to perform. And you may have even been promoted above your former peers. That can be tough. Either way, you want to do right by your people. You're looking for role models, frameworks, and tips. But Google searches aren't cutting it for you. You need a roadmap. Or maybe you've hit a plateau. You had prior success leading others. You've taken some lumps along the way, but you made it to the other side. And even so, you don't feel as if you're maximizing your impact right now for whatever reason. What used to work doesn't anymore. Or maybe your leadership doesn't feel quite like it should. You can't put your finger on it, but you want to freshen up your leadership approach. Or maybe you've been asked to turn around a team. You were given a new assignment, and you need to make some improvements fast. You want your team members to be more accountable for their work, accountable to you, and accountable to one another. You know you need to shake things up, but you don't want to lose your team in the process. Whatever your leadership story is, I think you're going to benefit greatly from what you're going to learn on the show. Unless you're already a perfect leader, of course. If that's the case, you can just go listen to Tim Ferriss or Jocko. Just kidding. So here are my top three takeaways from today's episode. My successes and my failures have equally shaped my leadership perspective. Second takeaway, Lead the People is all about providing high-speed, high-impact leadership tips you can use in the real world, delivered in a way that's not boring AF. And third, you are a leader on your own journey. You're ready to do whatever it takes to reach the next level, and you're in the right place. So there you have it, episode one in the books. As we wrap, I'd like to ask you for a quick favor, if I might. If you've had a chance to listen to an episode or two and you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast player app. You don't want to miss what comes next. Now, when it comes to leadership development, my philosophy is simple. All that I ask is all that you've got, and I promise to give you the same in return. Now, as we begin our journey together, I really can't say thank you enough. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thank you for subscribing to this podcast. Thank you for investing in your leadership ability. And finally, thanks for sharing this podcast with another aspiring leader who really needs to hear it. All right, leaders, until next time, don't just manage the business when you can lead the people. Bye for now.